Lord, although our time is brief, brief, you are infinite, wise, strong, good, sovereign, and great. Help us, oh God, to see you. Help us to see you bigger than our relationships, bigger than our problems, bigger than our circumstances, bigger than the pain in this world. You are a great and holy God. So, Father, I pray right now for the pastor, uh, the pastor in that Middle Eastern country who was taken out of prison and, and the prison officials won't tell his family where they've taken him to protect him, oh God. I pray for the missionaries around the world who are losing their businesses and their families are turning their backs on them because they've turned to you and the world finds that impossible to endure. I pray for the Christians right here in this congregation who are standing for Christ and finding that that stand feels quite lonely. I pray, O oh God, for those who are coming from 12-step environments where everyone wants to talk about God, but Jesus is not invited into the conversation. I pray that you would keep them strong in Christ and that you would help them to be a light to the rest of the world. Thank you, O oh God, for this time together. May we focus on your word. May we make much of Jesus and may we fame you to the delight of your glory. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. I did this in the morning service. I said I wasn't going to do it in the afternoon service, but I guess I am. But you can't move around, okay? Don't walk around on this one. I told the morning service they could because we had a little bit more room. But don't you do this. Find someone next to you. You could turn around. You could do it in front of you, next to you. And I want you to tell them what you wanted to be when you were a kid. What did you want to be when you grew up? When you were a kid, what did you want to be? Okay? One minute. Go. Go ahead. You can do it. Go ahead. All right. Okay. Everybody back with me? Okay, great job. Great job. Okay. Now, in the first service, um, I, I heard uh, cowboy, right? Somebody wanted to be a cowboy. How cool was that? Another uh, lady said she wanted to be a librarian, right? Um, uh, what, what did we have here? What, what do we have here? Fireman, army. Okay. Detective. A mom. Wow, that's very, yeah, that's esteemable. I love that. Yeah, a lawyer. Lawyer. Dancer. Okay, all sorts of things. All sorts of things. I wanted to be Spider-Man. I did. I wanted to be Spider-Man. And I thought I was. I thought I was um, uh, for a while. You know what's interesting, though? Here's what's interesting about the whole deal. No matter, no matter if you wanted to be everything between cowboy and Spider-Man, 
right? And everything in between. Here's what you discover. When you're a child, the answer is never nothing. The answer is never nothing. No matter what it was, whether it's fireman, army, dancer, lawyer, president of the United States, doesn't matter. Your answer is never nothing. Why? Because even as a child, instinctively, intuitively, in your soul, there is something in you that wants to strive for significance. There is something in you. Now, the world might beat it out of you before you're 13. I get that. But there is something inside of you, instinctively, that screams, I want to do something great. I want to be significant. Now, this is in all of us. Nobody walks around saying, you know what I would like? I would like to leave the world just the way I found it, have no impact on this globe. In fact, on my funeral, I would like for zero people to attend, and I would like to be put in a, pot, in a sort of a potter's grave. I just Nobody in their right mind thinks that way. Nobody does. All of us want to have an impact, even if it's in our small world of our family or the big global world. That's what today is about. Today is about finding significance. Finding significance in a way that affects deeper than just your little circle of life. But going beyond that. And perhaps even being significant throughout the world. So here's, here's the deal. I, I want you to know the, the end from the beginning. The point today is that significance begins with serving others. That's where significance begins. You go, to, you go to the most packed out funerals and you'll find a person, and this is something that, I mean, my goodness, this is part of my job. You go to the most packed out funerals and what you'll discover in those packed out funerals is that this was a person who cared about other people. This is a person who served other people. You go to funerals where you can't find three people, this was a person who had zero impact on people. This is a person who thought only about himself. This is a person, it's just... It's universal, isn't it? So today, we're going to learn about how to prepare a proper funeral for you so that it would be packed out. So that many people would lament your passing. And that you would have the biggest impact on as many people as humanly possible. We're going to find this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 12. Now, I want you to know I want you to know, this is really, really important. The topic that we're going to speak upon, speak upon will affect every area of life. And this is why. This is why. Everything in culture, everything in culture wants you to live for you. Everything. From the restaurants we go to, to the clothes that we wear, to the books that we read, to the movies that we watch, to the to the interactions that we have, to the messages that we get um, from advertising, magazines, newspapers, and so. Everything in life, in our American culture, is, it's all about you. You ain't happy in your marriage? Press the eject button. Get out of there. You know God just wants you to be happy. Wait, wait, wait. You mean, you're having a problem uh, uh, relationally? Come on, bounce. We all know. Just because the point is, be happy. You be happy. You be happy. 
that you get what you want. You get, it's all about, listen, it's where else? Where in this world are you ever going to hear, it's all about you, Jesus? Really? Because in the world, it's the exact opposite. It's all about you. Period. It's all about you. You don't feel good? Mendito. Go. You don't like it anymore? Bounce. There's a movie that's coming up, and it's about a woman who's, uh, who, who plays out her husband. And as I was watching the previews, I didn't watch because it hasn't come out yet. I was watching the previews, and uh, the whole thing was that the new, you know, the 2.0 came along. You know what I'm saying when I'm saying 2.0, right? Right? And, and so the, the, the 2.0 is the better version of the person you're dating or, or, or you're married with, right? That's the 2.0, right? The reason that guys don't ask women to marry them and they go, oh no, we need like three or four years is because they're waiting for the 2.0. And I know I'm blowing up your spot, but that's the big deal, right? That's the right, because if you... So, so what happens is, is her 2.0, her 2.0 came in and she was married and she was dissatisfied and he wasn't meeting her needs. So of course she went and slept outside of the room. Of course. Madness. Madness. Like, might be an entertaining movie. Craziness when it comes to living life. Because when you live life for you, you don't have an impact on anybody else. In fact, the happiness that you're looking for becomes elusive. It becomes something that you don't get. It becomes something that you ever pursue. It's like the, the, the horse and the carrot. No matter how far the, the horse goes, the carrot is always being dangled in front of him. I want us to have a different, I want us to be, Recovery House of Worship, I want us to be a peculiar people, a, a, a different kind of people, a people who are so loving and so serving others that in fact the entire world gets transformed by our sacrifice. That's my vision for you. That when your wife is not uh, behaving in a way that you culturally would like for her to do, you love her well. And let Jesus deal with her. That when your husband is behaving in a way that's difficult for you to deal, listen to me. And, and by the way, because you know we have a lot of, I have to be careful about what I say. Listen, if you're if you're experiencing physical abuse, if there's something you need counseling, call the church. We'll help you through this. I'm talking about the normal stuff of life, like oh she didn't cook dinner, oh he's not as affectionate as he used to be. He doesn't, she doesn't pay attention to me anymore. And I'm, speak, I'm speaking in terms of those when I speak of marriage. I've got to clarify that here, right? Because and then some people think that it's okay to stay in very dysfunctional things. But when you find that, and you know, it's, it's within a, the realm of reason, you find yourself, no, I'm not, I'm not living for this person's approval. I'm not living so that they would be kind to me or anything like that. I'm living for Jesus. We're living on a different plane all together. Now, Peter writes a letter. That's where we're going to read from, 1 Peter. Um, uh, Peter writes a letter to a group of Jewish believers, Jewish people who had converted over to Christ. He writes a letter to them, and they're experiencing great persecution, and he's talking to them how to be husbands, how to be wives, how to be friends, how to be employees, how to be, how to, you know, the whole spectrum of, the, of just living life. And he's going to speak to them. Now, we're going to speak about this. We're, we might hop around a bit because time won't permit us to really go through every single sentence. 
But I want you to hear what Peter has to say. It's very powerful. Now, one of the traditions we have in this church is that we would all stand when we read God's word because God is holy, perfect, and pure. And when we hear his words, it's different. It's different than anything else. So, um, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. Pay attention. This is very important. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. When I get to verse 9, we're all going to read together. Okay? So when I get to verse 9 through 13, we'll all read together. Is everybody on board with that? You okay? All right, let's try this. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. May God bless the hearing, reading, and the doing of His Word. Please have a seat. Okay, profound statement. A little bit uh, convoluted and complex. We have some uh, you know, stuff like talking about stones and everything else. Um, so I want you to see... I want you to see this scripture. Now, in the first five words of this scripture, I'm going to lay the foundation, hopefully, of what we're going to talk about. Now, look up at me. Look up at me. I know you overachievers want to look at, down and see what are the first five words, right? Now, look at me. Watch this. Listen. It's really important. When we come to church, we all, have, we all have our baggage. Isn't it true? Right? You got your baggage. I got mine. Right? Mine's is matching. Right? Right? It just all connects. You have your baggage in your life, right? Like if I probe a little bit, you have your stuff, right? When we come to church, we don't come as a blank slate. We have our religious experiences that we bring into it. So it's possible that I could be communicating one thing and you could be hearing something totally different. That's totally possible. I know this because um, uh, my wife and I are, are not from the same culture. She's Irish and I'm Puerto Rican. Right? So in my culture, if I say something to the kids, a phone rings. Yeah. Everybody, shut off your phone, please. In my culture, if I talk to my kids, phones ring, and, and I expect for there to be not a whole lot of discussion. Right? 
I always tell my kids, I said, you can ask me as many questions as you like after you take the garbage out, but not before. It feels like disrespect to me, right? It's just the, the culture that I grew up in, right? And I think it happens to be true, <laughs> right? But that's my stuff. My wife thinks it's okay to have a discussion with me about what I've asked the kids. That's her culture. Now, she thinks she's saying, well, honey, can we discuss this? That's what she thinks came out of her mouth. What I hear is, you ain't a man, punk. I'm running the show here. And what I say goes, that's what I heard. Now, it's not necessarily what she said. It's what I heard. You understand what I'm talking about, right? You all have stuff like this, right? If you, were, if you had this mic, you would have stuff that you would say, right? Like, you know, all I said was, and you know, it's like a blow, a blow to your face, right? Like, you know, they, they, you know, all I said was, yeah, never, statements never begin well when they go, all I said was, no. Now listen, very important. Why did I say all that? It's important. Because when we're in church, when we're in this environment, you have baggage that you bring into this environment that no matter how much I talk, no matter how much I say, no matter how much I explain, no matter how accurate I am with the text, you're going to walk away thinking and believing what you were raised to believe. So, when I'm talking, and today we're talking about service, but we're talking about gospel-centered service. Not guilt-centered service. Not, not duty-centered service. Not service based upon getting some points with God so that He can maybe, you know, keep life a little bit better for you. Not me-centered service because I'm going to pay it forward so that I could get something re in return. Not, listen to me, a gospel... It's a great, it's great. A gospel-centered service. It's going to be a great day. All right? Listen, this is harder than it looks, okay? A gospel-centered service where the motivation, where the passion, where the strength, where the ability all comes from seeing Jesus lifted high and glorious and famed. So we're going to see that. Now, we're going to race through this text, but I want you to pay attention. We're going to be moving fast, but I want you to uh, listen in. First thing I want you to see is the first five words. As you come to Him. Let's read that all together. As you come to Him. The Him here is Christ. It's going to tell us uh, in just the next, next few words that it's the living stone. And I'll explain that in a second. But here's what I mean. When it says, as you come to Him. When we see that verse, we think of, oh, you mean, so you're saved. In other words, and what we mean by being saved, and again, we all carry baggage, and I'm using sort of... Uh, sort of technical words, you know, insider kind of words. When we say saved, here's what we mean. You agree with God about yourself. And then you call on Him and ask Him to save you. Does that make sense? In other words, I agree with God that I am a sinner. Right? And I know that word carries a whole lot of baggage. But I agree with God, right? And of course, we all are, right? Have you ever disobeyed God? Have you ever done anything outside of God's will? Of course you have. So have I. I mean, I could tell you stories, right? Now, so we've done this. So we agree with God that I deserve to be fully separated from Him forever. He's holy, perfect, and pure, and I'm a sinner. Then we come to Him and ask for His already given grace that He's already done on the cross for your and my sin. God doesn't just tell us, smack us on the hand and say, do better. He says, 
I'll take the punishment for your sin. And I, listen, here's the, here's the Bible in a nutshell. Some of you have heard me say this before. The Bible in a nutshell is simple. This is the gospel. Here it is. You're worse than you think. You're worse than you think. I know everybody in the world is saying, oh, no, you're not that bad. No, 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 it's worse than you think. It really is. You're worse than you think, but that's not the end of the Bible. You're worse than you think, and you're more loved than you can imagine by Christ. This is important. Because God doesn't look at you and your sin, doesn't look at me and my sin and wink and go, don't worry, I wasn't looking. God says, you know what I call it? I call it filth. I call it sin. It deserves hell. So I will go to hell for you. I will pay the penalty of your sin. What you deserve is 50 years in jail. I will, you do the crime, I'll do the time. That's what God says. That's much more profound than just winking and saying it's not real. So Jesus does that. Now that's what, so when we recognize that, when, when the gospel hits our heart, that we're wretched sinners in desperate need of a savior, not a helper. We need a savior. And he comes into our, that's salvation. Now watch this. When we look at this verse, as you come to him, we must hear and realize that this is not just that moment of salvation. The gospel is not just good for that moment of salvation. As you come to him means as we habitually, regularly, continually, passionately, fervently, constantly come to him. Isn't it true? Isn't it true that the more the way to fall in love with somebody is to spend more time with them? Right? It's the way you fall in love with somebody. It's not like you don't see somebody once this year and then see them 10 years later, right? That only happens in the movies, right? Right, where you see somebody 10 years later and then 20 years after that and they're growingly in love. No, don't. Life happens. You build relationships. You build love based upon the time that you, as you continually come to Him. So here's how it works. When we look at God, the, way, the reason that we could serve, and we're going to run to service in a second. You're going to see it. But I need you to kind of front load you with this information. So I know, just hang on. We'll get there. As we come to him in our prayer, reflecting on the gospel, it's easy to extend that in service to others. Here's how it works. We're walking to work, and we see... Uh, a person who we've given a million suggestions to, right? Hey, make a meeting. Hey, you don't have to use. Hey, you know, I can help you with a job. Hey, why don't you go to this place? And they're laying there, and they're homeless, and they're living lives that are just wretched and terrible, and some of us have found ourselves in that spot, right? And you walk over to him, and, and he goes, Man, I'm hungry. And you go, you should have taken my suggestion. You wouldn't be hungry right now if you took my suggestion. Before we do that, before we do that, we reflect on Christ and we go, wait. God didn't give me what I deserved, but he gave me grace. He, wait, you mean Jesus, wait. When I was wretched, when I never took a suggestion from you, when I cursed you, when I wanted to have nothing to do with you, you gave me love, affection, provision, and grace. And if I'm in Christ, then maybe I can give love, affection to... You can do an act of service. Does that make sense? Okay. Let's bring it closer to home. So your husband is acting in a way that is ridiculous. You cook this beautiful meal, and he's out of his mind, right? He just came home, and he's like, you know, traffic. And you don't care about traffic. You cooked a nice meal, and you ain't trying to hear traffic, right? And so, like, traffic and the boss and, you know, the tensions at work and all that other stuff. And he comes in, and he's... he's Maybe disrespectful in his tone. Maybe he's a little bit snippy. 
or something like that. You go, you know what? You don't have to eat this meal. This is ridiculous. I'm going to put this food away because you don't deserve this meal after I slaved over a stove and blah, 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 whatever you say, right? Wouldn't it be something if you go, wait, wait, wait. You mean when I was rebellious against you, Jesus, you extended me love, you extended me salvation, you extended to me what I did not deserve. So I'm not going to be nice to you so that you could be nice to me because and then when you're not nice to me, I blow up, right? Anybody hear a tick, tick, boom, right, right? Yeah, one or two of you, right? Where it's like, you know, it's not, you, don't, you don't get angry. It's like this, tick, tick, boom. It's like, oh my, where did this come from, right? And so, oh, because I was nice to them and they weren't nice to me. Listen, 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 listen. We're not, we're not, we're not good for goodness sake. That's a song. So be good for goodness sake. We're good because Christ has first been good. And his goodness transforms my wicked heart. And my wife can benefit from my wicked heart being transformed because Christ is good. It begins and ends with Christ. And in all areas of life, in all areas of service, it's by reflecting on who God is. Listen to these words again. As you come to him not as you come to your fine fangled philosophies not as you come to your well you know you know uh whatever you get like on oprah or dr phil and i'm no, you know i'm not against oprah or dr phil i'm just saying that some of the suggestions that you hear in society are perhaps a poor fuel a poor fuel for serving others as you keep coming to him, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Did you see that? Here's what that sentence means. As you come to Jesus, you start looking like Jesus. Isn't that cool? Right? As you come to Jesus, you look like Jesus. So as I come to Jesus, how? In prayer, in reading his word, in attending services like this so I could learn a little bit more. So in, in my small group, in my circles, in these classes that uh, they would, we just celebrated, as I get prayed for with my illness, as I continually come to Jesus in every facet, area of my life, as I come to him, I start to look more like him. I have four kids. All the time I forget their names. All the times, not one or two times. I do it all the time. Like with my daughter Serenity, I'll go, Edwin, uh, Grace, uh, the Lydia, you, you, come here, right? It's crazy. I never. When my mother used to do this to me. I swore I would never do it to my kids. I've become my mother, right? It happened. Did anybody else become their parents? Right? Yeah, I became my dad. I became my mom, right? Now watch this. I want one day for every one of you, for every one of you. For you to be walking down the street and them to go, uh, Jesus, I mean, Edwin. I want people to mistake you for Jesus. I want you to look like Jesus. I want you to sound like Jesus. People will never have to wonder, where is Jesus? Because when you walk into the room, 
So all of a sudden, they sense the love of Jesus. People will never have to guess if Jesus loves them because you're loving them so well in the name of Jesus that their lives are being transformed. People don't ever have to wonder if Jesus is with them in the hospital because when you show up, Jesus gets shown and shined in such a way that lives are transformed. People don't ever have to wonder if their marriage is being affectionately cared for by Jesus because when you show up, Jesus breaks out. It's, it, people will mistake you for Jesus. My prayer for all of us. Do you see it? Do you see it in, in verses 4 and 5? As you come to him, the living stone, jump to verse 5, you also like living stones. As you come to the living stone, like living stones. As you come to Jesus, you look like Jesus. As you reflect on Jesus, you look like Jesus. As you serve Jesus, you look like Jesus. That's, see, that's gospel serving. I almost want to stop there. That is gospel serving. It's not serving others. So you know what happens when you're a gospel server? People could be fresh to you and you weren't doing it so that they could be nice to you. You didn't share your lunch on Monday so that they would share their lunch on Tuesday. And then when they don't share their lunch on Tuesday, you go, but I shared with you on Monday. <laughs> Some of y'all are laughing, but that characterizes a lot of your marriages, right? That was a little bit harsh. I'm sorry. I'm trying. Here, listen, listen that it would be a gospel-centered, Christ-elevating, you getting smaller, Jesus getting bigger kind of service. So that people would not walk around and going, isn't so-and-so such a nice person? But they would walk around saying, your God is very great. That when they, when they leave your presence, they would go, your God is glorious. That's what would happen. Verse 6. For in Scripture, by the way, verses 6 through 8, Peter is just going to use Old Testament passages to prove what he just said in 4 and 5. That's all Peter's going to do. I know it sounds a little technical because Peter is talking to Jewish people about the Messiah in a different culture. So he's using their culture to speak to them. I'm going to try to translate it to you. But in essence, I want you to know that he's proving his point in verses 6 through 8 the point that he made in verses 4 and 5. I might have made it more confusing, right? He, the point that he made in four, 4 and 5, he's proving it in 6 through 8. Okay. For in scriptures it says, the Old Testament, See, I, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious corner stone. Now here's the thing. This is what none of us get. When you talk about a cornerstone, it actually meant something to the people. Here, they didn't have like steel beams and all that other stuff that would go up the way we build up buildings. When you laid down the foundation for a, a building, what you had to do is get the most perfect stone in the corner. It was bigger than all of the stones. We kind of have it. If you go to the corner here, they, we have a cornerstone that's bigger than all the other stones, and it has the year that they uh, uh, redid the church, or maybe, maybe the, the first time. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. Exactly. Cool. I love the multimedia. I didn't even know they were going to do that. Cornerstone, yeah. I love that. I love these guys. So the cornerstone, always, the, the entire foundation, the weight of the building rested on 
that stone. Here's the thing, and this is what I want you to understand. Your life rests on a cornerstone. Your whole life does. It's the if you don't believe me, listen to me. Finish this sentence. I would be happy if, fill in the blank. What would you be happy? Uh, you know what would make me happy if, what, what would it be? What would it be? Now, you don't have to say it right now, but you have it in your mind. Or, if this happened, I would die. What's the this? If blank happened, I would die. Kids, if they got sick, I would die. Uh, if I lost my job, I would die. If my wife left me, I would die. What, 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 what is it for you? Whatever, however you answer those questions, we just discovered what your cornerstone is. And your cornerstone, listen to me, your cornerstone is the thing that you lay the weight of your life on. So women, listen to me. If boys or men are your cornerstone, then if there's someone in your life that says that you're beautiful, he's a guy and he's attractive and you find his, you, you, you respect his op uh, opinion because he's so attractive and all that, and he says, you're beautiful, you're valuable, you're wonderful. If he says that, you're on top of the world. If that guy doesn't exist, all of a sudden you're more depressed than you've ever been. Let me tell you what happened. Your cornerstone got crushed under the weight of your life. Everybody has a cornerstone. Some men, their cornerstone is their ability to get women. Some people, their cornerstone is their health. Could be something good. Could be your kids. Here's what I'm saying. Listen, people who, another example. People who make their children their cornerstone wind up raising little demons. You don't believe me? Go to Chuck E. Cheese right now. Just don't even wait for the service to end. Go to Chuck E. Cheese right now, and you will find several dozen parents who have made their child their God, and that God is a very nasty God. Very capricious. Cornerstone, listen to me. Anything that you put as a cornerstone, a foundation point of your life, other than Jesus, will crumble under the weight of your life. And so Peter, knowing this, he says, what I want to be the cornerstone of your life, what I want to be the foundation of your, the bedrock of your soul, Jesus. And as Jesus is the bedrock, then the rest of life can support the weight. For in the scriptures it says, see, I lay a stone, in, and we read that, uh, verse 7. Oh, no, wait. Let's go back to verse 6. For in the scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. You know, you can't say that with all the other stuff that you put as a cornerstone. Isn't it true? I've been put to shame many a times. Many a times. I wish I had more time to talk to you about that shame. That, it's just powerful where we need to keep going. Um, now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become a cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. I can't tell you how many people I've ever met who refuse to come to God, refuse to know God. They go, no way. And they'll say things like this. You know what? If you, you have a, Jesus, 
you know what? I don't want a God that judges. You know, you know what? If that's, if that's the way God does, that he judges, then I don't want to have nothing to do with him. Really? If, you know what? If that's true, that, you know, uh, you know, just pick something. That men and women should uh, be in a monogamous relationship and they shouldn't just sleep around with anybody that they, that they want to, but in holy marriage, man and wife coming together. If that's true, then I don't want to have nothing. You know what they're, they're saying? What Peter is saying? They're stumbling over Jesus. They're stumbling over Jesus. And, and, and it's not because Jesus is putting so much weight on them or Jesus is tripping them up. It's because, listen to me, listen to me. The only God that they really want to know is the one that they invent. Now, how do you know if you have an invented God? Okay, very important. How do you know if you have an invented God? I'm going to give you the answer right now. It's very important. You know you have an invented God if... You and God never disagree. Do you, does God disagree with you on anything? No? Well, congratulations, you're God. Because I can't even get my wife to agree with me on everything, so I know that God doesn't agree with me on everything. You can know that you're following a false God, namely yourself. If God doesn't disagree with you on anything, and nothing, God doesn't disagree with you on the speed limit, God doesn't disagree with you on nothing. God understands, yeah, I know He understands that you're a sinner. Listen to me, very important for you to get. You are worshiping a false God. You have no clue who God is. I don't care if you've been coming to this church for 10, 50 years. I don't care if you've been coming around, you got your Bible and it's worn out, and you wear your Christian clothing and eat your Christian cookies. Listen to me, you have no clue. No clue who God is if God doesn't disagree with you on some points. No, you know, well, the way I do relationships, God doesn't... Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Here we go. All right. The way I do relationships... The way I do relationships... No, no, no. It's all right. God says only, you know, that sex is for married people only. Sex is not for beautiful people. Sex is not for people who are ready. Sex is not for people with kids. Sex is not for people who have a ton of experience with sexual stuff. Sex is not for people who uh, look good. Sex is not for people in the club. Sex is not for people out of the club. Sex is not for adults. Sex is not for young people. Sex is for married people only. Oh, no. Oh, no. God doesn't. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I understand. I understand. You're God. You're God. See? And I can do this over and over again. If God doesn't disagree with you on at least one thing, then you're God. Congratulations. Hail, all hail you. But to those who do not believe... And so, and so you fall. And so you stumble over that. And the Bible says you're destined for destruction. Here's my good news to you. Please... It doesn't have to, it, just because it was doesn't mean it has to be. And when I heard this, listen, 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 listen. I've sinned more than you. I'm the worst person in this room. I hope you understand this. I'm the worst person in this room. Listen to me. Listen to me. There is enough grace in the love of Christ to save and forgive. He is the shame taker. He's the guilt Remover. 
He's the one. All those dark secrets that you've had that you can't tell the people that you love the most because if you told them, they would think less of you. Listen to me, listen to me. He extends forgiveness. He pursues you in love. Even if you don't believe what I'm saying, don't you wish it were true? Even if you don't believe all the things that I've just said about Jesus, don't you wish it were true? It's true. And, and listen to me. You stumble over him. You stumble over him. You fall to your own destruction when you turn from him. Verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Now, listen to me. We're going to get to the good stuff now, okay? Here it is. Remember what I said at the very beginning? Remember what I said? Significance begins with serving. Okay, here's how God, here's how God, Peter has been talking to us about the significance that we have in Christ, and he's going to give you three ways to serve. Three ways to serve, okay? Are you ready? We're going to, we're going to fly through these, okay? You ready? First one is open mouth. Next one is holy life. Next one is serving hands. That's how Jesus wants us to serve. It's open mouth, holy hands, and serving. Open mouth, holy open mouth, holy life, serving hands. Are you with me? Let's say that all together. Open mouth, holy hands, serving hands. Let's say it one more time. Open mouth, holy life, serving hands. Now let's look at verse 9, um, at the rest of verse 9 and see open mouth. That you may declare, anybody know what declare means? Speak that you may declare the praise of Him. So why were we a chosen people? Why? You see verse 9? Why are we a chosen people? Why are we a royal priesthood? Why a holy nation? Why God's special possession? That you may declare the praises. That you would have an open mouth. This is crazy to me. That people who would find, a people who are so broken, like us, a people who were so desperate in need for a, a forgiver of sin, a people who desperately needed God to wipe our slate clean. Why would we keep quiet? Why? Why? Why would we keep quiet about a God so good? I know why. Because you were raised that way. And then you go, you know, well, you know, I was raised to believe, you know, that, you know, work. You don't talk about, you know, uh, politics and religion. Um, uh, and I just think that that's bizarre. And some of us actually believe, and God forgive me for having said this, one, uh, said this in the past. I actually said this. It's heresy. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. I, I said this, and I apologize for it. I said, oh, um, preach the gospel in all circumstances, to all people, at all times, and only when necessary, use words. That is retarded. That's ridiculous. That's bizarre and stupid. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Jesus didn't do that. The, the idea behind a statement like that is that I've lived such a holy life that other people will see Jesus because of my holy life. Jesus had to explain the kingdom of heaven. And you're not holier than Jesus, just in case you missed the point. Jesus had to open his mouth to declare the glory of God. You have to open your mouth. It's crazy. It's crazy. People are, they're having a divorce. This one is planning his infidelity. This is all at our workplace or at our school. At our school, they, man, what is the thing that they have on um, Thursdays? It gives the, excuse, the kids an excuse to be idiots. 
um, Thirsty Thursdays. That's the one. And so, and so, so right, watch this. So it's Thirsty Thursday. And all of your kids are looking, for, all, of the, all of the people in your school are looking for significance. And I know what you should do. Join in with them. Help them to be more in the dark. That's what you should do. Yeah, of course. That makes perfect sense. Be down. The people in your, in, in your in, in, you know, that's for college, but the people that you work with, this one's having a divorce, this one is preparing for his infidelity. I know what you should do. Laugh at the stupid jokes. I know, be nice. That's what you should do. Or maybe, or maybe, you should have an open mouth and declare the goodness of God. And you say, you know what? My marriage is a mess, but Jesus is working on it. I bet he could work on your mess of a marriage. You know what? You know, your kids are a mess. Mine too. Can we pray about that together? Can we go to Jesus? Can you serve someone with an... Oh, my prayer is that you would serve someone with an open mouth. Uh, holy life. Let's look at verse 11. Jump to verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Good night. What else do I have to say, right? There's a holy life. Let me tell you what the number one argument against Christianity is in America. Are you ready? Christians. It's the number one argument against Christianity. Ask anybody. I do all the time. The number one argument against Christianity in America is Christ followers. Because they live such holy, duplicitous lives. And so because they live lives that are so shady, everybody goes, Psh! right? You know, why, you know why the Atkins diet was all the rage in the 90s, right? It was in the early, right? late 90s, early 21st century, right? You know why it was? Because like 15 people actually lost weight. You know, the Atkins diet would have never gained any traction if people got fatter while they were in the diet, right? Because you would go, no thank you. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. Because you've gotten fatter. Well, watch this. If you're a mess and you come to Christ and you grow in your mess, that's not an attractive witness. So we serve. How do we serve? First and foremost, as we come to Him. It's Him that does the transformation. Listen, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, be good. Try harder. Do better. You can make it. That is not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying that everything based in this sermon comes after that first thing that we read. As you come to Him. He transforms me to be a better husband to my wife. He transforms me to be a better father to my children. He transforms me to be a better pastor to this congregation. He transforms me. As I come to Him and I experience the gospel, He does the work and the transformation to open my mouth Oh, but I don't know. They're going to ask me a question that I don't know. Then don't know. Say you don't know. And tell them, why don't you come to church? I bet my pastor would know. Open mouth looks an awful lot like coffee cooler moments, right? On Monday morning, you get in your, you know, your, your, your coffee or your cooler, you know, your water cooler moments, right? And someone says, what did you do on the weekend? And you don't say, Nothing. You say, you know, this weekend, I learned that significance begins with serving others. Where'd you learn that? Church, no kidding. You go to church? I know you can't tell from my lifestyle. 
But yes, I did. So that's open mouth. Holy life is living in such a way that other people would be attracted. Okay, verse 12. Serving hands. So we looked at open mouth, holy life, serving hands. Lives such good lives that the pagans, uh, live such good lives among the pagans that though they, excuse, they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Listen to me. The purpose of us serving others is not to receive accolades for ourselves. It's to glorify God. So that when others come up to you and say, why are you so nice? You go, Jesus. By the way, the answer is always Jesus, right? I did this with my kids all the time. Hey, I, just today, after the first service, I asked my, one of my daughters, hey, what did you learn? She goes, Jesus. I was like, yeah, that's always the right answer in church. Always have to say Jesus, right? And so, your right answer is Jesus. Why are you so nice? Jesus, why is your marriage? It used to be falling apart, but now it's, it's slowly coming together. Jesus, why is your health getting better? Because Jesus gave me a better way. Why? Because I never, I stopped putting my dependence and my joy in my food, and I started to put it in Christ. Why is my, why am I not uh, 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 mouthing off to people when I used to mouth off to Because Because my identity is not found in what I think you believe about me, but who Jesus says I am, and I'm a child of God. It's Jesus. It's always, only, forever, exclusively, always about Jesus. And so that's how we open our mouths, and that's how we do the holy life. And, and serving hands, we do it in the name of Jesus. Live such good lives. I, my, prayer, my prayer is that you would be um, confused for Jesus. So here's two ways that you could uh, serve. I'm going to tell you, and then I'll be quiet, and, and you'll get to enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Here it is. There's intentional, and then there's random. Those are the two kinds of services you can do. One you grow in, one you don't, but you still have to have as part of your life because you need a soft heart and you need to ask God. Let me tell you the first one where you don't grow in. The one that's random. Random, people who do random acts of service don't grow in Christ because they think that they're doing better than they are. You don't believe me? Science, uh, uh, social science has proven that if you go to the gym less than three times a week or three times a week or less, you actually gain more weight than the people who don't go to the gym. Did you know that? Inconsi Let me tell you why. Because when you're inconsistent in your head, you say, this is what happens. Oh my goodness. See if this is not your story, right? So juniors, you know, it's dessert time. Would you like some cheesecake? Oh, I'll take the light one. No, no. I'll take the big fudge caramel, blah, blah, blah. And it's the 2,000 calorie thing. And you say this to yourself as you dig in. I'll work this off. You lie like a rug because there's no way. You'd have to run to California to work off that cheesecake. There's no way you could run it off, right? You, you ain't going to work that off. But here's what happens. You imagine that you're doing better than you are because you randomly go to the gym. You imagine that you're doing better than you are if you randomly give a quarter to a bum, randomly give a dollar to a person, randomly. You feel good about yourself. You're still talking about eight months ago how you bought somebody a Happy Meal and then you walked out, that was eight months ago and stuff like that. It's eight months. Randomly doesn't help you. But, 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 random is good for a soft heart. We need to be, we need to be, you know, we need to, you know, pray daily. And that's what random does. So when we ask God, Help me to serve, because I know, I, I know what Edwin said was true. Your word is true. Serving, 
Um, significance comes through serving. And so, Lord, every day I want you to wake up. And God, give me an open mouth to tell people about the gospel. Give me uh, serving hands. Give me a holy life so that I might serve. You wake up every day and you say that to yourself. And you ask God in prayer. And you say, God, give me a holy life, serving hands, and an open mouth. You do that. But and then there's another way, and that's intentional. And that is very simple. Through those doors, at the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to sign up for something. Why? Because I want you to intentionally each week be reminded. And you could be, man, these chairs, um, classes need to be taught, these floors need to be done. But more importantly, people need to be greeted. People need to be felt like they're important in here. And so people do that service. You know that the very bulletin that you have in your hand that makes it convenient for all of us um, to be here and be informed and have the scriptures. Somebody has to actually print that out. They serve you. You know why it's so quiet in here other than my voice? Because there are people right now missing, that came exclusively not to be fed, hear the service, be blessed by what God's word says, but so that they could watch your kids. And so there's people who have used their gifts and talents so that you could sing to Jesus and have an environment where you can praise God and worship God in a creative and powerful way. There are pastors that, you know, there's just all this work that's going on. You can join the fun. You can join in all the fun. I want you to serve. So through these doors, you're going you're gonna to start service. All right, so now watch this. Um, if you did this, if you did this, your whole life would change. Your whole life would change. The way you viewed the people in your family, they wouldn't be adversaries, but they would be people that you're trying to serve. At your work, you wouldn't be so concerned about what Tom is not doing. You would be just interested in serving. Your Listen to me. You would experience more peace. Joy levels would rise. As we reflect on Jesus, he transforms us because he first served us. We can serve others. Now, I don't think I'm a very good preacher, so I, I employed the help of Dr. Martin Luther King to try to get you guys to do this, all right? So this is like one minute long. I want you to watch this, and then I'm going to tell you to serve, okay? If you want to be a part of wonderful. If you want to be Recognize wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. This morning, the thing that I like about it, by giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great. Because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't know, you don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics in physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace. Find a place to serve. 
No music afterwards. No anything come up, pray at the altar, so God give me a servant's heart. He's already given it to you. If you know Christ, he's given it to you. Now go serve randomly, pray day by day, and intentionally by signing up. Let me pray for you, and then we're going to go. Father, thank you for my friends. Thank you for this time together. Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name, there would be a sense where we would be burdened to serve because we've come to you over and over and over, and you've transformed our souls, and you've transformed our heart, and you've given us a new life where our focus isn't our comfort, but your glory. So, Father, I pray that you would transform us to the degree where we start looking at others as more important than ourselves and serve others. Help us, O oh God, to serve you by serving others in ways that bring you fame, glory, and joy. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go serve.